Are y'all enjoying the, the uh, we're just getting rolling uh, with some of the parables of Jesus and how they connect to the kingdom of God, right? That's right. This whole year, we are looking at nothing but what Jesus said, what Jesus taught. That's been our focus. Uh, and uh, looking at it from a lot of different directions, a lot of different speakers, and you're going to hear some more from some others as we track through this over the next few weeks. Um, as I was digging into this, one thing, though, that just has become incredibly apparent to me is it was true in Jesus' day, and it is true in our day, that for real change to happen in our country... The change must first happen in the church. So if you wonder why it's not happening in the nation, it's because it's not happening in the church. Oh, I didn't get nearly as many amens on that one. Right? It's the truth. And Jesus talked about it so, so much. And you're like, yeah, but he didn't have the government we have today. No, his was worse. Trust me. All right? It's just the truth. Um, We must allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. Say, in me. Do a work in me, Holy Spirit. Um, And as we learned last week, our job is to surrender to that work. Stop kicking and biting like dumb sheep. Oh, come on, right? Right? That's, that's kind of what we learned last week. All right? So, as we go through the parables, uh, a couple of things that, that most every parable has that we need some, some things we need to think about. One is, hey, you know what I realized? Uh, I don't have my uh, remotes. Yeah, I don't have my remote. Joel, can you grab it right, right there? Sorry, I am like, yeah. I, I've, I've got sand in my eyes because we did have an amazing children's weekend. So I'm exhausted this morning, but in a really good way. Y'all give it up for Joel. Tell him thank you. Yeah. All right. Hey, so a couple things. Grab your notes uh, and let's, let's look at this. A couple things you need to think about. Because I think in in every parable, we need to ask ourselves a question. We need to look for the gift. Did y'all know that every parable has a gift? Do y'all read your Bibles? Please read your Bibles, all right? Uh, Every parable, we should ask a question. Every parable, there is a gift. But there's also, in our culture, and, and it was in Jesus' day too... That there is a caution, and I, I, want to, I want you to look at this and think about this. The question we need to ask ourselves as we look at the parables is, is who am I in the story? In every parable, there are different players in the story, right? Right? There's different people. Now, just to help you narrow it down, you are never Jesus in the story. So you can check that one off the list. Well, that one's not me, all right? All right, you are never Jesus in the story, all right? Then, every parable has a gift. 
There's always a gift that he's trying to give us, that he's trying to teach us. And as he teaches us, it's to heal us, not harm us. Oh, come on. It's to heal us, not what? Harm us. But how many of you know, last week, the Holy Spirit did something amazing in this place. That was nothing to do with me. But how many of you know, because I've had conversations, last week he poured some peroxide in some wounds. And it stung a little. Anybody else besides me? It stung a little, right? But the sting lets you know the infection's leaving. Come on. He's burning that junk out. And he's doing it not to hurt us, but to what? Heal us. And then I believe that, that we need to, as we look at the parables, because, man, I've read some stuff that just blows my mind. There is a caution that we should be careful to stick to what Jesus said the interpretation was, not just our own. Because Jesus interpreted almost every one of the parables. He said, here's what I'm saying, right? Here's what I'm saying. And man, I've read some stuff that I'm like, wow, where did you get that, you know? And I think there's just a caution to me and to all of us that we really stick to what Jesus is saying uh, and not get off because um, it's so easy uh, to, to get off on that. All right, so Matthew chapter 20. Go ahead and find that uh, in your phone, uh, in your Bible, you know they still make these paper things, they're pretty awesome, all right, check those out, all right, um, uh, Jesus, now in, in, in Matthew chapter 20, you got to understand, how many of you know it's important who you're talking to? It's important to know who Jesus is talking to, in this one, Jesus is talking to his disciples, last week, it was the disciples and the religious leaders. This week, it is just the disciples. Because how many of you know, we talk different depending on who we talking to? Right? When you're at church, it's, oh, how can I help you? When you work at Chick-fil-A, it's my pleasure. Come on, you guys know, right? Right? It's my pleasure. When you're at home, what do you want? <laughs> you talk different to different people in different situations, right? What do you want? Um, so, so Jesus is talking to who? Everybody say, the disciples. All right? So he's talking to his disciples. A um, couple of things before we dig into this, just so you kind of have some, some reference. Um, and that is, as we look at this, when, when you see the workers, when he hires workers, those are not like 40 hour a week, got a full-time job workers. Um, these are day laborers. 
These are people that if they don't find a job that day, they don't eat that night. Okay, it's, under, it's important that you understand the reference to when he talks about, I mean, they're literally going to go hungry. It's also important before we read this, how many of you know when Jesus spoke all these things and they were written down, <laughs> they were not written in chapter and verses. Y'all know that was added later so we could find it, right? Right, y'all understand that. So, the end of chapter 19 and the first verse of chapter 20 were all the same conversation. Okay, you need to, you need to understand that. And it's interesting. This conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples is right after he had had this interaction with a guy that we only know as the rich young ruler, okay? We, we don't know much about him. We just know he was rich, he was young, and he had some position of, of authority somewhere, all right? And it's interesting. I, I want you, I, I, I never thought about it quite like this, but I was reading some theologian's um, and, and multiple of them agreed on this fact that, that Jesus walks up to this guy and says, come follow me. Everybody say, come follow me. In the original language, it was the exact same invitation that he had given to the 12. Exactly the same. Jesus was inviting this guy to be part of the 12, to be number 13. Literally saying, I like you. Come follow me. The guy was like, I've done everything right my whole life. I know all the laws, I've obeyed all the laws. I've done it right, and Jesus said, okay, give all that you have to the poor, come follow me. I want you to be one of my, one of my close-knit guys. And it says, the guy walked away sad, brokenhearted, because he just couldn't give up. His stuff. Kind of interesting. So on that note, he goes right into this parable. Let's read it. Are y'all ready? All right. Let's read it. The kingdom of heaven is, everybody say like. All right. Y'all hang on. All right. The kingdom of heaven is. Is like, and he's talking to his guys. It's like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them the normal day's wages and sent them out to work. At the ninth hour, or at nine o'clock, which was third hour, at nine o'clock in the morning, 
he was passing through the marketplace and he saw some people standing around doing nothing. <laughs> so he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So he went, so they went to work in the vineyard. And at noon, again, and at three o'clock in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Walked through found people that weren't working and said, hey, you want a job? They said, absolutely, I want a job. Go work in my vineyard. And then at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. And he asked them, this is important, why haven't you been working today? Are you lazy? No, they weren't lazy. They replied, we didn't work today because no one hired us. We want to work, but nobody hired us. So the landowner told them, go out and join the others in the vineyard. Pretty straightforward story so far. All right? Nothing that's hidden there, it literally is what it says. Guy had a vineyard, needed people to work in the vineyard, so he went out early in the morning, and, and, and most believe like at 6 a.m., hired some guys at 6 a.m., they went to work, then he went back at 9 o'clock in the morning, found some more guys, they went to work, then he went out at noon, found some more guys. They went and worked. Then he went out 3 o'clock in the afternoon, sent out those guys and said, hey, just go work the rest of the day. And then at 5 o'clock, one hour before quitting time, and said, hey, there's still an hour left. Go to work. I want to give you a job. Even if it's just for an hour, go, go do it. Kind of a cool story, but then, as my Cajun buddy says, then comes the rub, <laughs> right? Then comes the rub. Verse 8, that evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, but start with the guys we hired last, the guys that only worked an hour. We're going to pay them first. When those who were hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each of them received a full day's wages. Don't you know they were happy? I only worked an hour and I got a full day's wages. When those hired first came to get their pay, it's only normal that they assumed they would receive more. Why wouldn't we get, I mean, I mean, don't you know they got excited when they saw what the guy paid the guys that only worked an hour, right? Because they're thinking, man, if he paid them that much, what they gonna pay me? Because I worked all day, but they were paid the same amount, the same as the guys that only work an hour. 
When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only an hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the what? In the what? Scorching heat. We worked all day in the scorching heat. We get the same amount? And he answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for a usual wage or for a denarii, which was like a day's wage? Didn't you, didn't you agree to work all day for the usual pay? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay these last workers the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? <laughs> it's kind of harsh. I mean, it's nothing against the law for me to do what I want with my money. Should you be jealous because I was kind to the others? So those who are last, I bet y'all didn't even know that's where this scripture came from. So those who are last now will be first. And those that are first will be what? Will be last. Huh. Y'all remember what the very beginning of that whole parable, what, what did he say? The kingdom of heaven is, is like. This is like the kingdom of heaven. Then I want you to write this down. Because you're all thinking it. Don't be getting spiritual on me. All right? Don't get churchy on me. Uh, write this down. The kingdom of heaven is not always fair. There wasn't anybody jump up and said, whoa, amen. <laughs> How many of you know the kingdom of heaven is not always fair? Some of you are afraid to say amen. You're like, that sounds like sacrilegious or something. No. The kingdom of heaven is not always fair. It's just not. It's not. Matter of fact, you see that the guys assumed they would receive more. Everybody say more. They would receive more than the guy that only worked an hour. We worked harder. <laughs> the landowner's like, um, don't I have the right to do with my money what I want to? It's my money, right? It's not yours. It's, it's mine. Can I just tell you this? This parable, if I were to title this parable, I would not title it labors in the vineyard. I would title it, write this down, it's not fair. Anybody with me? That's not fair. It's not fair that they didn't work for it and they got just as much. I worked harder. That's, everybody say it. 
That's not fair. Come on, say it. That's not fair. Uh, some of you aren't playing. Come on, say it again. That's not fair. It's not fair. But who is, who is telling this story? The one telling the story is getting ready to go through the most unfair treatment of any man ever on the planet. Come on. He knew something about unfair. Right? He did. He was getting ready to experience torture and pain when he had done nothing wrong. That's not what? That's not fair. Now just hold that thought. I'm going to put these together in a minute. All right? Hold that thought. Just set it on a shelf. Have you ever thought about, and I guess I think about this because I do a lot of funerals. Um, Have you ever thought about what you want said at your funeral? You're like, that's kind of weird. I'm 15, right? (laughs) What? Right? Uh, Have you ever thought about what, what would you want said about you when you're gone? When you're gone, right? Wouldn't it be weird? At my funeral, if they walked up, the minister, whoever that is, walks up and says, here lies Victor. Upon his death, he had $10,127. And that was it. You'd be like, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> or more, more accurately, here lies Victor. Upon his death, he had $6. <laughs> Can I get an amen, right? Come on. <laughs> and everybody would say, you'd walk away going, that was the strangest funeral. It's kind of cool because it was short, but that was weird, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, um, the sad truth is leading up to this parable, this guy, this rich young ruler was invited into greatness. And all the world knows about him is his bank account. We don't even know his name. All we know is bank account. And then Jesus steps into this conversation. Talking about these guys that were destitute, that were workers. Did you know the scripture is full of heroes that were wealthy? Y'all know that, right? Some of the disciples that Jesus is talking to, they were not destitute. They were wealthy. All right, they were. 
Do you know that in the Bible, there were wealthy people that were heroes? There were middle-class people that were heroes, and there were people that had six dollars that were heroes. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Right? What was the difference? What was the difference? Why did some become heroes of the faith, and others, all we know is bank accounts? It's because this rich guy, it wasn't because he had money. He was like, Jesus, I did everything. I have followed the law from the time I was a kid, he said. I have followed the law. I've done what the Old Testament law says to do. I've done it all. And Jesus said, give it all away. Come follow me. And the guy walked away going, but that's not fair. I've done everything else. Nowhere in the law does it say I have to give everything away. That's not fair. And he got stuck. And it's not fair. Because he got stuck and it's not fair, all we know is bank accounts. We don't know anything else about him. Some worked all day in the heat, others worked an hour. And they all got the same pay and it just doesn't seem fair. Because shouldn't I get paid more? Don't I, here's how we say it, don't I deserve more? Come on. Don't I deserve more from my job? Don't I deserve more from my marriage? Don't elbow anybody, bad idea. Don't, don't I deserve more? Don't I deserve more from this church? Don't I deserve a better government? I'm glad you didn't say amen. I'd make you pray right now. <laughs> Here's the problem. Write this down. This is huge. When I say I deserve, it can actually rob me of my purpose and bind me, tie me down to an inferior story. It can bind me and tie me down to a story that's not what God is writing about me. I can get stuck. And it's not fair. I deserve. Because how many of you know what God wants to write about you is a lot bigger than it's not fair? Right? He wants to write you into a story of freedom. Of joy. Anybody else? That's the story he wants to write you into. And it's bigger than fair. So how does this play out? It's a great little story. 
But I love that we have literally for weeks now been referencing the same story but different pieces. And I thought, so how fitting for us to talk about this today, because I think it's a perfect story of how this plays out in real life. All right, cute story. I don't think anybody's going to hire you to go work in a vineyard today. All right? It's probably not going to happen. So how does this apply in real life? What does it look like? And you guys remember the story. We've talked about it. The story of of Peter. Y'all remember Peter, right? Right? Y'all remember Peter at the Last Supper? Remember we talked about that? Over the last several weeks, pieces of it, right? So at the Last Supper, um, uh, Peter and Jesus are having this conversation. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me, Peter. And Peter argues with him and says, nah, not me. These other losers, they will. Come on, read your Bible. That's what he said. He said, all these other guys, they're going to deny you, but not me, because I'm better than they are. Right? I'm better than they are. I'm more spiritual than they are. Right? I I, I mean, I am not going to betray you. They're going to betray you, not me. And what does he do? He betrays them, right? He watches Jesus die. He's like, wow, I blew it. I'm a loser. I'm going back to fishing. Y'all remember that, right? He goes back to fishing. He's fishing. The resurrected Jesus comes. We looked at this last week. He eats with him on the seashore, right? And he restores him. Three times he denied him. Three times Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. They're my sheep. I'm handing them. You go take care of them, right? Feed my sheep. Go be the rock. You are Peter. You're the rock. And I'm going to use you to build the church of Jesus Christ. Come on. That's what he said. And so Peter was like, okay, I'm the rock. Is good. I'm ready. And everything was good for less than a minute. See, we don't often read the rest of the story. We stop right there where, wow, doesn't that feel good? Jesus restored him. Peter's going to be the rock. That's awesome. Y'all ready to look? Got you curious now. You're like, I don't know if I remember. What, what is the rest of the story? It's actually in John chapter 21. Are y'all ready? Are y'all still with me? All right. John 21. Verily, this is still Jesus talking. I mean, it's real, it's actually at the beginning, he actually says, Go feed my sheep. It's not even a break in the conversation. Jesus doesn't even take a breath. Peter's feeling good. Verily I tell you, he's talking to Peter, Jesus is, when you were young, you dressed yourself. And you went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, 
you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you. Everybody say this last part. Where you do not want to go. What a weird thing to say. You're the rock. But Peter, remember when you were young? Maybe even now? You pretty much get to do what you want to. You get dressed. You go where you want. But there's coming a time that's not going to be true. And then I'm so glad this next verse is here. Jesus said this. To indicate the kind of, everybody say, death by which Peter would glorify God. Then Jesus said, follow me. <laughs> what? I mean... I'm going to be the rock, but there's a day coming where people are going to lead me where I don't want to go, and I'm going to die. I thought you said I was the rock, and you're saying I'm going to die for this thing? That's not fair. And I know that's what Peter was thinking. I'm not even stretching the scripture at all. And I'm going to show you. Because the very next verse. What do you mean? You restored me? Back to you? Brought me back from fishing and... Now you're saying people are going to leave me and I'm going to die for this thing? That doesn't seem fair. It just doesn't. Let's go on. Next verse. Peter turned and saw that the disciple who Jesus loved was following them. What book is this? John's writing this about himself. Isn't that awesome? John wrote this down, right? And he's saying, y'all remember, I mean, Peter turned and he saw me. Remember, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Remember that? And remember, I'm the one that, like, at the Last Supper, leaned back against Jesus. I'm, like, the closest to Jesus. Come on, do y'all hear that? Y'all know these were real guys. Take any 12 of you, throw you in a room, you were real, right? I, I mean, right? I mean, and, and he leaned back and, and, and he said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And he's looking at who? Peter's looking at John and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? 
what about him? See, Jesus, you said, I'm going to die for this thing. And it's not fair unless he has to die too. It's not fair if I'm the only one that has to die. So what about him? What's going to happen to John, the beloved? Come on. You know, he used to be one of the sons of thunder, and now he's all lovey-dovey. I don't get it. Right? I, I mean, seriously. You know, what about him? What, what about him? I, I'm okay if I have to die, but I, I don't know. What about the rest of these guys? You're like, I think you're stretching what he's saying. No, no, no. Look at the next verse. And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must just follow me. Don't worry about him. If I want him to live a ripe old life, it's none of your business. <laughs> In the South, we might have said, mind your own business. Come on. Come on, let's say that out loud. Mind your own business, right? Because what I want to do with him it's my money. Remember that in the parable? What is it to you? Not yours. What is it to you? What if I want him to live a right... And I thought about this. Because Jesus doesn't answer Peter's question. Jesus doesn't say, here's what's going to happen to John. And honestly, I think he should have. I think it might have helped Peter. If Jesus had said, now, now, okay, Peter, I understand, but here's the deal. You're going to die, Peter, you're going to die on a cross upside down for the gospel. And Peter would be like, oh, but don't worry about it, because John's is going to be worse. You're worried about John? John's is going to be worse. John is going to be boiled alive in hot oil. And they're going to throw his body out for dead. But he's not going to be dead. He is going to suffer the rest of his life from the boiling. And then Peter would have sheepishly said, okay, I'm just going to follow you. <laughs> Do y'all see that? But Jesus didn't answer him. Jesus said, what's that to you? You don't worry about him. You just follow 
me. You don't worry about him. Just follow me. See, we do this comparison thing right here, even when we pulled up in the parking lot. We do. God, why you bless them and not me? I work harder, longer. Why, why do they get all of that and I get this? Have you ever wondered what is that and this anyway? I, I, I mean, it's just not, it's not fair. See, Peter had no idea how God was going to use him. And he so easily could have gotten stuck right there with it's not fair. What about them? What, what about these other guys? See, he had no idea that God was going to send the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, was going to fill him and 120 others that were in the room, and he was going to walk out into the city, he was going to speak in tongues, and people were going to hear in their own language, and there was going to be 3,000 come to Jesus, 5,000 the next day, so many the following day, they couldn't even count them all. And the, and the church of Jesus Christ was birthed that day. It started with a resurrected Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. And Peter would have missed all of it. But today, we get to celebrate and even enjoy the benefits of Peter not getting stuck in It's Not Fair. He didn't get stuck, but the other guy... All we know is bank accounts. Write this down. It's not fair. Uh, let me go. It's not fair will take you to a place of comparing, copying, and competition. Unhealthy competition. I'm not talking about healthy competition. Unhealthy competition. Come on, y'all say that with me real quick. Ready? Go. It's not fair. Say it like you mean it. It's not fair. It will take you to a place of, everybody say, comparing, copying, and competition. Unhealthy place. And how many of you know those three words are the kingdoms of the world we live in in our culture today. It's the trap. It really is. I deserve more. It's so crazy to me how you can wake up in the morning feeling pretty good about yourself. You can wake up in the morning and go, you know what? I just love my wife. I love my kids. You know what? God has blessed me with a really good job. It's just, I, I am just in a good spot right now. Thank you, Lord. And then you open Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. 
And you see all of these perfect people with their perfect vacation on the beach or in the mountain, their new car, their straight-A kids, their organically grown food, their every, I mean, you know, their house, their manicured yard. And you walk out and you trip over the toys and the hole that the dog dug in the yard. And drag your kids out half-dressed, go to school. And you get in your car and go, it's not fair. My life stinks. Come on. Because I was comparing. Because it's not fair made me want to copy what looked better over there. Because it's not fair makes me want to compete and do better than they are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put better pictures. Even though it was just one day at the lake, it's going to look good. Right? <laughs> it's just crazy. It is to me. It's not fair. will steal your purpose and God's plan. For you. It will. It will shift your focus. Hey, right here, right here, right here. All right. You've seen these people, so hang on. All right. It that that it's not fair will shift your focus off of God's goodness and his generosity onto your lack. Come on. On to what the enemy tries to tell you is not fair. It's so true. Here's the thing. Um, we don't really want what's fair. We don't want what's fair. I'm glad the kingdom of God is not fair. How about you? Because, because fair means I get to pay for my own sin. That's what's fair. Right? That's right. That's right. But I don't, how many of you know, I don't deserve his salvation. I don't deserve forgiveness. My very best, the scripture says, is nothing but filthy rags. Your best Look at somebody and say, your best is nasty. Come on, tell them that. And some of you, when they said that, you're like, well, that's not fair. I'm not that bad. I mean, you know, one of the most redundant statements I hear is when people say, I mean, I'm not that bad. I'm not perfect. Nobody thought you were. There's nobody on the planet thought you was perfect. You know, I walk in and say, Susan, I had a revelation. I am not the perfect husband. She would not gasp. She would be like, yeah, I got piles of evidence to prove that one. Right? Right? 
Ain't nobody going to walk in to work on Monday morning and say, you know what, this weekend, the Lord showed me I'm not the perfect leader. Nobody in your, in your work or in your office was, would go, really? They would more go, thank you, God, he realized. <laughs> right? Can I say this? this? This may shock you. This church is not perfect. Go. <gasps> you know why it's not perfect? Because you're here. You know why it's not perfect? Now you say it to me. Because you're here. It's not perfect. When I walked in the door this morning, this became a very unperfect place. I don't deserve his goodness. I don't. I don't deserve his grace, his generosity. I don't deserve a God that goes out first thing in the morning before it's daylight and looks for those he can be generous to. He goes out at 9 o'clock in the morning to find more people that he can be generous to. He goes out at noon and at 3 o'clock and at 5 o'clock when there's only an hour left and say, hey, I want to bless you too. I don't deserve that kind of goodness, that kind of grace, that kind of generosity. Can I just tell you this? God is going to extend salvation to people that you don't think deserve it. <laughs> and I am grateful because there are those that probably think I don't deserve it either. Come on. And the truth is, I don't. I don't. Write this down. Because here, well, think about this for a second. When he is generous to those that you don't think deserve it, well, they're just jumping in right at the end and they're getting the same thing. Will you celebrate God's generosity? Or will you grumble at his goodness? Because here's what I've found in my life. Sometimes God does his best work in me when life is not fair. Amen? The stories in this room of what you've walked through. When you're like, it's not fair. Why am I going through this? Now, you'll look back and go, that was the sweetest spot with Jesus. He worked in me then like no other time. Mm -hmm.